American songwriter, we had the opportunity to talk to Matt Benthal of Hamish over Zoom video. Matt Benthal has a fascinating story about where he was born and raised. His dad is from England. His mom is from the Philippines, but he was born in the Middle East and he was raised in Dubai and moved to the States around 10 years old. Growing up, he found out that his mom was a musician. She was in a touring band in the Philippines. So he kind of got into music through her. She was playing guitar one day and that just really kind of drew him in. He had never seen her play before and this just really drew, drew him in to the instrument. He talks about how he learned the guitar and how he really started learning all Beatles songs. From there, he joined a few bands. He was in a band that ended up being managed by the singer of Dance Gavin Dance. He told us about doing little tours while he was still in high school. The audition process for Berkeley's School of Music, he ended up getting in and going to Berkeley. He told us about that experience. Moving to Los Angeles just before the pandemic hit and starting this project Hamish during during COVID. He's got two songs out currently. One's called Flavors. The other one's called Tapping In. Definitely check them out and check out the video version of this interview on our Facebook page and YouTube channel at Bringing It Backwards. We'd be so stoked if you subscribe to our channel, like us on Facebook, and follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Bringing Back Pod. We'd appreciate your support if you follow and subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. We're bringing it backwards with Hamish. Uh, this is all about you. This podcast is about your journey in music and uh, how you got to where you are now. And we can talk about your project, Hamish. Yeah. Um, I'm flattered and honored. Cool, man. Uh, so I did read you're born and raised, or I don't know if you're born and raised, but you're from Houston originally, right? Uh, so that that's usually my short verse. Uh, okay. Well, what's the long verse? Long verse... Uh, so I was born in the Middle East in Abu Dhabi. Oh, wow. Yeah. So not Houston. <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> yeah. Completely off. I guess Completely. my research is on. Uh, your research was on with the information. Um, but yes, yeah, so Abu Dhabi uh, for about two years. Uh, my family was based there. Um, my father was working in oil at the time. Okay. Uh, he worked for this company that had an office out there before that they lived in london uh for about 10 years uh, my dad is english and my mother is from the philippines oh really that's awesome yeah, my yeah. wife my wife's uh half filipino too oh sweet yeah so she's, yeah she gets it um, <laughs> she does <laughs> yeah her mom uh, i don't she's from manila area but uh yeah she came out here like when she was or she came to S san diego when I think she was around 12 or so, um, but my oh, father-in-law wow. from Chicago. So she's very light skinned, <laughs> light complexion. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's super, um, super strange. Yeah. Just being, uh, I guess you're, you're like a third culture kid if you're half Filipino and then you come <laughs> to the States. For me, it's like, I have this whole other part of living in the Middle East and it's like, this whole other culture I grew up around and then I moved here to the States. So it's, it's, uh, it's been, it's been sort of a reckoning of getting used to as uh -huh. I've become an adult, just like, wow, like I'm not from anywhere. You said mom's Filipino. Mom's Filipino. Okay. Uh, dad's dad's white, uh, like British. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, so we, yeah. So they were in Abu Dhabi. Uh, I, I live, we lived there for about two years and then we moved to Dubai 
which is where I spent the majority of my childhood until okay, until I was about nine. nine wow. So you, your parents, okay. Mom's from the Philippines, dad's from England, and you were born in the, where were you? And you were born in the Middle East? Yeah. yeah. Wow. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So, so where does your citizenship lie? I'm just curious. Right now, um, as of two years ago, I'm a dual citizen of here, the, the States, and, uh -huh. the, and the UK. Oh, okay. Do you yeah. kind of get to choose? Can you pick? Like the Philippines or the Middle East or the UK? Like, how, how does that work? If you don't mind me asking, I'm just curious. The well, we were granted the UK citizenship, I think, despite being born in the Middle East. And I'm honestly not exactly sure how it worked. I just know, okay. uh, like, like when, when we moved here, we were my family was gratefully granted, um, like green cards, mm -hmm. uh, to the US. Uh, but not citizenship immediately. So when we were overseas in, in the Middle East, my dad was like an expat. Uh, and the company that he was working for was was based in the UK. So, okay. Yeah. Can you but you could claim kind of. Middle East, right? I mean, if you wanted, you could you could be. Uh, yeah, by by birthright, possibly. Yeah, um, I think, right? Yeah, I, I want to keep things as simple as possible. <laughs> you don't want to get too to confuse everybody. Yeah. yeah, they were like, we're like two minutes in and it's already. So that's why I say. Um, <laughs> that's why you say from Houston. <laughs> I say that. I say I'm from Texas. Um, I love that. All right. Sorry. OK, so then you you, you spent your uh, like your early childhood in Dubai. Yeah. OK, what was that like? Like how old were you when you when you moved out of there? So right when I moved out there, I was about two. So that's when my memories started to form. I really okay. don't have that many memories of Abu Dhabi that much. Um, but you know, it was all I ever knew. You know, at that point as a kid, and uh, my schooling was done through an English school. So I went through a British curriculum, but it was okay. also a very international kind of vibe there. Uh, so I knew a lot of English kids. Um, Arabic, uh, Arabic kids as well, mm -hmm. Canadians, uh, and then a couple Americans too. So I was in this kind of really cool melting pot that I'm actually super grateful for having grown up and been educated through. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, yeah, so I think about, yeah, 2006 is when my family left and came here to the state. So we immigrated. Okay. And how old were you at that point? Uh, I was nine, about to turn nine years old. Okay, um, so you're still in elementary school at this point. Still in elementary school. I was entering the fourth grade when we moved here. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then, so, <laughs> so we moved here. I spent my majority of that year in Burbank, Burbank, California. Okay, so LA, when LA. you moved, originally when you moved here? Yeah, yeah, yeah okay. originally. Um, and then... The following year, I moved. Then I moved to Houston. Okay, so you're about ten when you moved to Houston. Yeah. Okay. Right on. And how did me like? When did you start getting into music? Because I know some some kids start like you know super early, four or five years old. Like I don't know where that landed for you and how that kind of shaped uh, your career. It didn't land for me until I was about. 12 going on 13 oh, okay yeah music was always around though mm -hmm. um, my mother was a singer 
in the Philippines. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, she was like a touring. She was in a band that toured a lot around Asia. And that's interesting. How... Like, uh, that's so cool. Like, oh, man, that's rad. It's, it's, it was really cool. You know, I'm still sort of discovering that side of my mom's life. It's really awesome. That um, is really rad. Does she have records out and stuff? She's got, I think, live albums. There's live videos of the band. Um, have you seen any of that? I'm sure you have. Yeah, yeah. They're great. It's so cool to see my mom kill it, you know. Um, yeah. You know, back then in, in the 80s and whatnot. They brought, you know, R&B. They did a lot of covers. Like, covers are, like, everything in the Philippines. Like cover. Oh, bands. is it really? Yeah, like, there's literally thousands of cover bands there um and it makes up a lot of the music scene there it's super cool um, that's rad but she uh her group did a lot of r&b uh a lot of uh soul and okay. Motown stuff and they brought it essentially to that part of the world which is really uh really cool wow I, I subsequently grew up with that music you know playing a lot mm -hmm. um that as well uh, as well as um uh buena vista social club that that album for my whole family you know very nostalgic which is really uh -huh. cool um so that was always around i really got into music yeah when i was about 12 i was gifted a guitar from my mom and she was like playing i remember there's this memory of her playing these just gcd chords uh -huh. this little book uh this sort of like tutoring book and it was like the coolest most fascinating thing for me and mm -hmm. I don't really know why. She was just kind of like playing them. I didn't pick up the guitar, though, till about two years later when I was 14. Okay. Did mom play prior to, or did, was that just some hobby she decided to pick up? Yeah, my mom played. My mom played uh, in church. And uh, okay. I guess she would do it. Um, in the band? Or was she just a singer? To, like, okay. Practice. I think it was more of a utilitarian thing for her. Got um, it. And then, yeah, whenever she would be playing in church, sometimes she would have the guitar with her. Okay. Um, but beyond that, you know, I didn't really grow up around other musicians other than my family. Like, my sisters all played piano when we were super young in the Middle East. Okay. I, I hated it. I hated music, <laughs> you know. When like I was, most kids? <laughs> yeah, like most kids. I really did not want to do it. I was more of an athlete. Okay. Um, I eventually got into, like, soccer and stuff. And, and that was, you know, something I took somewhat seriously growing mm -hmm. up uh definitely more than music for a while but i kept getting injured um, oh yeah as a as a teenager i was getting injured a lot and i was sort of picking up the guitar at the same time mm -hmm. uh, and then the, there was this one summer it was about a year after I, I picked it up i learned like every beatles song uh, wow summer i was so bored i was at my cousin's house in um uh, they live up in Salt Lake City and they have this really cool house. But, you know, I wasn't doing anything most days. So I was like reading like books. I was a prolific reader this one summer mm -hmm. uh, and have not been since. It's really weird. <laughs> um, but I was also learning all these songs, all these Beatles songs. And I, you know, resulted in me sort of falling in love with song um, as well as the instrument. Um, you were learning how to play them or you were just learning the lyrics? Uh, learning how to play them, really. Oh, wow. I, I was like, you know, I was discovering like, oh, oh, this chord, you're like this sound on this record. And, um, you know, I distinctly remember trying to take a shot at like the Let It Be guitar solo. <laughs> okay. Um, come the end of it. So that was like the end of my study. Uh, my little residency of learning the Beatles music was this George Harrison solo. solo. And I, 
Yeah, I, I look back at that time and I'm really grateful for it because uh-huh. uh, there's like a, a there's definitely a learning curve with guitar. And I think, you know, if you really stick with it after a certain amount of time, like a few months, uh, kind of what I did where like every day I was learning something on it, mm-hmm. you, you pass this curve and, and you know, you want to take it more seriously and you want to learn more and get better at it. And that's kind of where I hit after that summer. Um and shortly after that, I, I came back to Houston and uh, I wasn't really taking lessons. I was just kind of learning on my own. And uh, someone hit me up, uh, who kid who lived in my town. Uh, and, you know, this goes like, hey, I'm writing songs. I want to start a band. You know, I need mm-hmm. a guitar player. Uh, and, you know, I was I thought it was the coolest shit ever. So <laughs> sure. I was very, uh, very excited to take it on. Uh, so this band uh, this was like a weekly, we would practice and he would show me songs and I would muck about and learn parts and, and then create parts, you know, with his music. And eventually we had a full roster of people mm-hmm. started playing locally around the Houston uh, scene, the venue scene, which is a great scene. I'm really grateful to have grown up um, in, in Houston around that music scene because it was well, probably just, uh, yeah, yeah, sorry. No, go ahead. I, I, uh, I was just saying, like, it, it's a really cool scene and uh you know it was a it was a lot of people my age a lot of people a little older than me as well but they were all mm-hmm. very passionate about music uh-huh. i'm not you know it wasn't necessarily like everybody was like we're gonna do this you know for for life like professionally professionally yeah we okay. never really spoke about that but it was something we all really put a lot of time into mm-hmm. um you know through junior high and, and high school I was going to ask, yeah, when did those, when did you start playing those shows that you're in like junior high when that started? Yeah, like at the back end of junior high, like around, yeah, the mid to the late eighth grade. Okay. Do you remember like setting up for the first time, like, uh, like at a gig and in, in that whole, you know, the oh, excitement yeah. there? Yeah. There was one gig where, you know, we as a full band started. Um, I just remember it being like the most, fun exciting thing i thought it would i felt like i was you know in madison square garden sure <laughs> what was the venue you're playing do you remember it was this venue called the satellite room it was in uh northwest houston okay about i think my friend's mom drove us there <laughs> like her prius and I wow got- you got all the gear in a prius Right, yeah, all of our amps and stuff. Well, they got big trunks. Actually. Oh, okay. Pretty, pretty, pretty spacious. <laughs> at, thinking back to it, um, <laughs> yeah, we got all the gear in there. I had like a little twenty watt amp, and uh, I have a, a Fender Stratocaster that I still use today. The uh, same one. The same guy. Yeah, oh, that's had dope. For, had it for ten years now. It's it's like Billy Joe from Green Day had the same guitar his dad bought him, and he played it until like I think the like the Dookie record. Oh, ser- oh, dang. Yeah, he just kept having it set up. <laughs> that, that mine is overdue for a setup. Um, yeah, so that was that was like the, the, the beginnings of it. We again, you know, we never we were never like, all right, this is it. Like, we're going to we're going to do this thing. And I don't uh-huh. think I had that moment. I don't think I had that moment until like the, really the back end of high school. Um, so. Were you guys like getting bigger shows or like what, what made it to, was there a bigger, moment that you're like, you know what, this is what I really want to do yeah, bigger forever. Show. And I think, you know, by high school, we were starting to tour a little bit. Really? Around, yeah. Yeah. Around, uh, regionally, you know, like around Texas, but then uh-huh. we gradually started, 
um, booking longer and further routes outside of Texas. Um, wow. And in high school. Yeah, in high school. So like and you see your parents were cool with you guys traveling. <laughs> That's pretty rad. Seemingly so. Yeah. <laughs> well, like, yeah, I did it. <laughs> it was kind of just like, yeah, mom, dad, I I'm I got the show up in Dallas or something. I'm going to go mm-hmm. do a run up there in Denton and we're going to go up there. And they're like, oh, wow, cool. You know? Oh, that's um, rad. Yeah, it was it was really it was really cool. I love I love touring. I miss it a lot. Um, yeah. Um, <laughs> Hopefully it. soon, man. It's all the the apparently there, you know, there's a light. Not apparently, but it looks like there is. I see the light and it's, you know, it's coming towards me. I don't know whether to start, you know, running towards it yet. Right. Where everyone's <laughs> kind of like, is that really it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, is that really exactly? That's literally where I'm at right now. <laughs> um, yeah, so in high school, we we started we caught wind of uh, this this singer who was in a bigger band. We had a similar sound, and this guy was starting uh, a record label, and he was going to become a manager and manage mm-hmm. all the bands on his label. And he approached us, and our singer was a really big fan of him. Um, huh. They were, uh, do you know, Dance Gavin Dance? Yes, I do actually. Yeah, yeah. So Kurt Travis of Dance Given Dance came to us, uh, came to wow. us and was like, "I really like you guys. Like, I'm starting this whole thing," um, and he really wanted to sign us to this new label he was starting. So my singer, Head Over Heels, worships this guy, but he signed <laughs> to him. Uh, and so I, I'm like, okay, so this is like for real, for real. Um, around the same time, so I'm in Houston for like seven years at this point i then moved back to california so this is my junior year of high school oh bummer a year yeah it was a huge bummer i uh i had you know a life i had the band i had all you had your all friends like going. yeah yeah um and your and junior was, year ouch that's yeah, too yeah. bad yeah it was it was rough so i had this year to myself out here and uh i was you know super lonely very depressed but i the one thing i that was a constant for me was music still you know, mm-hmm. I, even though it was just me, it was like me back in my bedroom, like writing playing, songs, learning songs, not necessarily writing songs, but okay, just putting time into the instrument and, and knowing I could stick to this because I didn't have that much else going for me or felt like I didn't. Um, I was able to convince my parents to move back to Houston the following year, thankfully. So I come back and so you were able to like graduate with your friends and yeah, yeah that's yeah. cool. Yeah, it was it was uh, I, I'm really happy I did it. You know, it was a big learning experience doing mm-hmm. that year off and, and real being grateful for what I had. Um, that's that's kind of what I got from it. Um, mm-hmm. But while I was out here, uh, I met a guy who had gone to Berkeley uh, about 15 years prior. OK, he kept telling me like I, I he would sneak me into these jams at this place called hotel cafe he had like a residency there the one in la the one in la yeah Uh, okay i would i would drive in from pasadena which is where Mm -hmm. i lived uh and i would you know find parking i'm like 17 at this point uh it's 21 and up but he sneaks me in through the front door and i get to watch him and his band play and it's like wow it's a caliber of musicianship i had not heard until this point and it completely opened my mind up again almost like what happened to me with the Beatles it mm-hmm. also scared the living shit out of me seeing these players these were world-class you know professional touring musicians in this guy's band you know these were mm-hmm. the, these were the cats you know 
Sure. And so this was my first sort of exposure to that. But this was this guy at the same time was like, yeah, man, you should try out for Berkeley. You should audition. And I kept telling him, like, I'm not good enough. Like, I don't play jazz. You know, I'm not that kind of guitar player. And he's like, no, 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 you should you should really, you know, take a shot at it. Um, so Berkeley was doing touring auditions. They were, you know, doing different cities. They came to Houston. Oh, wow. They do. They do that. They come oh, yeah. out to different towns and kind of seek out musicians. I, yeah, I, didn't, yeah. I wasn't aware of that. They do. They do auditions in Boston, but they also have a team that goes year round. I think globally. No, but no, I know they go Maybe. around the U.S. They go <laughs> yeah. around the U.S. and like, wow, have certain areas where you can go and audition for faculty. And there's also students there you can talk to. Wow. Um, so I I signed up to audition and apply mm -hmm. to the school uh, as a guitar player as a guitar principal. Uh, so I had to get a piece ready. I ended up writing this like guitar loop sort of solo piece that in retrospect you should never do like never bring a looper to an audition you know okay could go wrong. <laughs> um, but i did that uh and uh, the audition was in beyonce's father's uh studio as well which was like also wow. super trippy um yeah she's like yeah everywhere i've ever in interviewed from houston is like she's kind of obviously she's like the biggest deal ever but like the houston people are like she, I mean, yeah. She's like the monarch. She's right, right. There you go. She's <laughs> like the royal of her and her sister. Uh, you know, they were groomed by by their dad, but they're like royals. <laughs> a yeah, yeah. They... A lot of musicians from Houston are, are regarded in that way, which is, I think is so cool. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I, I was there. It was Matthew Knoll's studio. Um, I, you know, I had very little experience playing, you know, contemporary stuff like jazz and r&b and 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 blues and, and, and uh, stuff like that from the diaspora of i want to say you know Af african-american music mm -hmm. you know, i was playing this like post core emo indie indie shit and sure i want i was hungry to learn that stuff and that's what i told the guys in the audition um so i played this piece i think about what two months later so i'm almost i'm about to graduate you I played the loop. College. You played the guitar I played, loop I piece. The loop thing, yeah. Okay. Piece, and then they asked me a bunch of questions. Um, the audition at Berkeley is not. It's not like. Uh, it's not like Juilliard. You know, there's like four tiers to Juilliard, and uh -huh. it's really intense. At Berkeley, you talk to two faculty members who really just want to talk to you uh -huh. as, a, as a person. They want to know your background. Um, you know why you want to go to school, what you want to study, etc uh so i i was just telling them you know brief background uh what i wanted to do at the school and then i left it was about 20 minutes i think wow i've heard different stories though i will tell you this really? For, i've oh, talked to a lot of people that have went to berkeley um uh, doing this podcast and some people say like that way you just said like yeah it was you know, it wasn't very intimidating other people are like yeah they're letting everybody in basically i just sent them a tape and like a video or whatever and then there's people that were like they made you sight read on the spot and like do all these things like like you'd have to know like music theory right off the top of your head right, like, so it sounds you've like gotta, yeah you've got to learn all these crazy transcriptions and yeah so you didn't have that experience it doesn't sound like uh they asked me to sight read 
one thing, but I told them straight up. I was like, I don't know how to do this. <laughs> I was learning it. I was okay. learning it in that time. And I was, I was, I was just wanted to be real with them. You know, it's like, sure. I'm going, I want to go to this school so I can learn how to do this stuff. And, and I can now do it. Thankfully. That's amazing. Because of that. But at the time, I was just real with them and said, I can't do this. Right, right, right. <laughs> like <laughs> a guitar player, like a lot of guitar players don't bother with it. And it's completely normal. Sure. Um, okay. So you yeah, get so into the school, obviously. I got into the school. It was, you know, I was, I made my family so proud. You know, I, I look back on it and I'm really happy. You know, Tell me how you found out the news. I, I woke up in the middle of the night and found out i got the acceptance letter in in an email oh okay um and then were you like worried opening it was it just like their oh, name yeah. or did it said congratulations in the headline or the title? congratulations in the, in the oh okay headline. so you're like okay like, i know this like is gonna be good that. news and then uh i read it and i was like oh yeah you know i was like kind of in the middle of the night and then i went back to sleep okay <laughs> and i'm like Get you didn't go sleep. wake your parents up <laughs> oh, no, no. Check the laptop out. <laughs> I got in. I figured I would mess with my dad. So I, I came downstairs and he was like just kind of staring at me. You know, I was about to leave for school and he's like, So did he know that you were supposed to get the news that day or something? Yeah, yeah. We, uh, okay. We knew, it was like April 1st we were supposed to get it, which is a terrible day to get. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, congratulations, and open it up. It's like, April Fool's, you didn't get in. Try again next year. <laughs> oh, my God. Can you imagine? Um, well, I messed with my dad. I was like, I just kind of did this for like five seconds, and then uh. – I was like, no, I got in. Oh. And I, I literally jumped like three feet in the air. It was, oh, that's so, so cool. cool. Um, that's so, so cool. I, I, so I had the acceptance to Berkeley. I had this thing going with Kurt and the band. And I knew like I couldn't really do both. Mm -hmm. Given what I was told about the band and what we were contractually obligated to do at this point. Like we were supposed to go record a record uh, and do a lot of touring to promote this record. You know, that's mm -hmm. what I was told. And so I was getting sort of mixed messages, but they were leaning on, you shouldn't go to school, basically. Is mm -hmm. what my, the guys in the band were telling me and what Kurt was hinting at. Uh, I decided to go for one semester. And then I left shortly after to commit to the band. Oh, uh, really? Yeah, yeah. I left. Uh, I took a semester off. So I, I sure. did go back eventually. But So the band was still going. You had left. They were still signed to, to his label. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. they put a record out. Did you help them with the record? Or? Yeah. So we went up to Portland, Oregon, uh, and we recorded with this guy called Mike Som. Uh, and he's got a studio out there called Dream Awake Audio. Um, so we spent about three weeks there. Wow. Doing this album. Um, and it was co-funded. Uh, we sort of crowdfunded it and then the label also paid for it which was super sick and we toured on the way up to portland with Kurt oh dope to do it yeah so it was a it was a lot of fun i was like i was 18 years old on the road yeah you know, doing the music thing i was i was on top of the world you know rock star yeah yeah exactly yeah <laughs> <rock star life>. uh, <laughs> so we were there uh we we finished the album and like two days later i have to leave to go to boston uh, okay orientation so i i flew out of portland to houston grabbed my shit and then flew to boston uh and moved in and and you know 
was Berkeley kid for, you know, four months. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And I loved it. I loved my first semester. I was extremely humbled as soon as I got there. There were, you know, the thing is there, you know, there's 150 people doing the exact same thing as you, wanting, yeah. to, wanting the same thing as you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you have this like crisis six weeks in, like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. Where am I? You know, is it like overwhelmed? I mean, obviously, now oh, you're yeah. surrounded by like the best guitar player in every small town across America. Exactly. All the big fish in the little ponds come to this pond mm-hmm. uh, at the same time and it's the same place. It's not, there's nothing. Uh, nothing else like it on earth frankly mm-hmm. uh, there's like five thousand of the most astute musical people in one in like like a 10 square mile radius <laughs> sure boston you know it's insane and very overwhelming you know as, as a freshman as a guy who grew up playing just like post-hardcore indie stuff mm-hmm. um, but i was still hungry and 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 i had the ear to learn the materials that that i was that was thrown at me Mm-hmm. And I took it on, you know, pretty well. Um, and, and at this point, you know, I'm still very much the guitar player. Like, I, my goals are I want to become the best I can, play as much different music as I can, learn as much different music as I can while I'm here. Um, my focus into, like, songwriting and stuff did not come till way later. A long oh, time. I okay. Up. So I took the semester off. I'll try and shorten it a little. Like, uh, we... We, we toured some, you know, mm-hmm. that year, that semester I took off, but we did not tour to the extent I was expecting. Mm-hmm. Um, and at this point, I'm sort of feeling like, okay, I, I'm not going to wait around for this band to like blow up. I, I'm going to go become a student of music, learn, mm-hmm. become the best I can. And I'll see where they're at in like four years. So I tell them, hey, guys, like, I'm going to go back to school. I wish you guys the best, truly. Mm-hmm. You know, they were like, they were my school for like seven years at this mm-hmm. point. You know, I grew up with these guys, but I decided to move on and, and go back to school. So the following fall, I'm back uh, and I'm there for like three and a half more years um, studying, mm-hmm. gigging a lot. You know, I started joining bands based there. I started playing around sort of becoming that guy the guy i wanted to be of, of just like the person to call when you need a guitar player um i then decided to add like songwriting to my to my degree uh like a songwriting concentrate and this was something you know i really thought i wanted to do you know in my head i wanted to explore but i didn't realize how difficult it was to be a songwriter i didn't realize what it took to do that and realizing that you know i had this profound appreciation for it after you know two classes of it at school um and then it wasn't until like a year a year later where i wrote my first song that i was actually proud of you know and and from then you know i kind of stuck around like okay like i like i like songwriting i like this process i can see myself in it um, but I, again, I didn't do anything with it. I didn't start a project. I wasn't writing with other people outside of the classes. And um, I was still doing the guitar thing. Mm-hmm. So this is about 2019 now. I'm supposed to be finishing up. I end up actually dropping out. Oh, okay. Uh, I run out of money. I don't want to sign a lease on an apartment in Boston. I figure, okay, 
I'm just gonna move to LA, you know, and, and my family's here. At this point, my sisters and my mother are all living here again, mm-hmm. uh, living and working here. So I move out here, sort of ready to do that thing that I was doing in Boston, become the guitar player, play around. Um, and, and, and it was the same sort of experience. I was going into an even bigger pond now. It wasn't, mm-hmm. it wasn't school, it was real life. Uh, you know, you've really got to put your best foot out there, that sort of thing. And I was uh, on that on that grind of like, I want to find gigs, I want to tour, I want to uh, be in sessions, you know, whatever it may be to, to make the bread to, to uh, do the thing. Uh, so mm-hmm. I'm in LA for about six months, and then COVID hit. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was, okay. uh, it was like just getting my feet planted. Mm-hmm. Um, and then COVID hits, everything stops. I'm out here. Well, at least you're by your family. Can you? I mean, you weren't stuck in Boston by yourself, right? Oh my goodness! Uh, if my family wasn't here last year, I don't know what I would have done. I probably would have left. Honestly, yeah, I probably would have gone back to Texas or something. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I knew a lot of kids who were in Boston. Uh, stuck. March. Yeah. Stuck. Yeah. A lot of international kids. Um, I could not imagine what it was like for them. Yeah. Being in Boston with nothing going on is, I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. uh, You know, through the winter and everything. Right. Right. It it was, it was super weird. You know, there was no, like, there's no playbook in music, but there's no playbook for a pandemic. Right. And the musician uh, path is not equipped to withstand a pandemic just well obviously yeah i mean obviously you know yeah and I don't so know many people are hurting i mean not yeah. not that other not that other industries weren't but i mean we the, we the creatives were were this was the worst year in like modern history to be a creative i think yeah some would argue that it was the best time with uh creativity which, oh yeah sure the time you know you can really develop your craft and and i i believe that as well but if you're a person who plays out if you're a person who needs to sustain living by touring right the worst year for that you know Mm -hmm. you just simply could not do it a lot of people still aren't um and so i thought you know my world is ending like (laughs) i am all this time all this work i put in uh, to do this thing I can't do now and so mm-hmm. I was you know very hungry uh, musician with with nothing to do and at this point you know prior to COVID I was out here doing the guitar thing but I was also meeting up with a friend of mine like once a week uh, and we were seshing he's a producer his name's Trey uh, Nakota goes by okay Hams. Um, he's also from Texas he's from Dallas um, but he's a hip-hop producer mm-hmm I'm this like indie sort of cesspool of things. And uh, <laughs> and we would meet up once a week uh, and make tunes together. Um, and I, at one point I started singing on them, like just putting ideas down and, you know, we'd come out and be like, Oh, this is pretty cool. You know, but we never really thought of anything to do with them. And about May of 2020, he calls me and he's like, so when do you want to put these out? Oh, wow. I'm like, oh, that's a that's a great question. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Maybe, sure. You know, hopefully this year or something. Um, and so then I started, my mind started working and, and 
and plotting and thinking like, okay, I, I could have a project, you know, this is the best time to sort of develop that and at least, you know, workshop it, mm -hmm. um, you know, because you have this time at least to do that. And you, right now you have somewhat of a freedom to do it. Uh, so that's when I started Hamish or when it was the inception of it was, was in the middle of everything. Going wow. So COVID, uh, COVID Black project. Lives. It's a COVID project. Mm -hmm. Black Lives Matter was in full swing around the same time. Um, yeah. So it was a COVID thing. It was birthed out of the pandemic. Um, wow. And it was just so scary. It was mm -hmm. the scariest thing I could have made myself do. Uh, sort of becoming this like artist other entity mm -hmm. um, in the middle of, of, of everything that was going on and still is um, but you know I it was something I wanted to do that was in my brain for a long time in the back of my brain mm -hmm. for a long time and I wanted to, to see it through and see if I could do it um, so yeah about you know September September 16th, I think, is when I dropped my first single. Um, and it's this, like, weird homage to to house music and hip-hop. It, it's this weird sound that, you know, I didn't envision, but it sort of came out. And I was like, cool, let's release it. Yeah. Uh, Which one was that? Was that Flavors? This was Flavors. Yeah. Okay. So Flavors, I came in to Trey Studio, and I was like, let's make a house guy. <laughs> Okay. So there's this like four on the floor that's happening the whole time. There's mm -hmm. this bass loop that's happening the whole time, but I'm doing pop song form over it. Uh, and it's, it's weird, but we <laughs> like it. We like weird. You know, yeah. We like the experiment. Uh -huh. uh, we really lean into that with Hamish. It's, it's a no frills sort of thing in this age of genre bending and mixing. Sure. We see how far we can push that palette. Um, and it, <laughs> I don't know, it got a, it got a funny reception, you know, like, mm -hmm. oh, I wasn't expecting this from you. Like this, this sound, you know, I, I was not expecting that, um, which I'm, I'm all for, you know, mm -hmm. uh, shortly after I released the other track tapping in, uh, -huh. uh around October, which is also that, a rad, like blend. I mean, you got the horn, like little horns in it and it's got, yeah. The little the the rap verse and it's got the lo-fi kind of sound to it. Exactly. Yeah. yeah so we brought a lot of different things to the table. Um, the rap verse is a friend of ours from Atlanta, uh, from South Carolina. His name is uh, Yako or uh, Chet Morley. Okay. Um, and then the sax is a friend of mine, uh, Kevon Scott. He's an LA-based sax player. He's the best. He's oh yeah, it, it sounds dope. I wasn't sure if that was just something that you guys like sampled or you know yeah so created on the computer but that was actually somebody playing saxophone yeah that was wow really uh he, he we sent him the track and he arranged uh all these parts throughout the track and we wanted to keep all of it yeah <laughs> like, oh i don't like we probably shouldn't keep all of it we should save you know the sax for uh he comes in with that huge sort of flurry uh, of parts after the the rap verse mm -hmm. so we wanted to save save the sax for that moment and let it have its real moment there uh for the instrumental um mm -hmm. that's what that's what ended up making the record and essentially you know we we sort of treated his tracks like a sample mm -hmm. you know we treated the live stuff in that regard as to you know they're almost like loops or they're almost like records that you're that you're sort of flipping sure um, and that's the way trey 
goes about music most of the time. Mm-hmm. You know, he comes from this hip hop background, this NPC sort of, uh, I'm building tracks from these samples, these drums, and I'm putting it together. And mm-hmm. I really lo- I love that process. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, at Berkeley, I, uh, I was surrounded by producers who grew up listening to guys like MF Doom, uh, you know, the Mad Villain album, Mad Lib, uh, you know, all this, all, all that stuff, you know, that stuff is, is so dope. It's some of, it's some of the coolest music, you know, ever made. Mm-hmm. Um, and Trey is very much from that cloth and, and we, you know, wanted to sort of mix those two together. Um, so yeah, after, uh, after tapping in, I kind of went into this like sort of hibernation really okay. as, a, as a person, but also as an artist, you know, I, the, the, the case count here was so high. I wasn't seeing friends. I wasn't working. Mm-hmm. Um, I had this project that I just started and, and it was so overwhelmed, you know, with, with life and also music at this point. So I kind of take a step back and I'm telling myself, don't force it. Don't, uh, don't think you have to do everything all at once. There's a lot of things you can't do mm-hmm. currently. Um, I'm I'm in this sort of stage till about February, 2021, mm-hmm. uh, and then Trey and I go out to Joshua Tree, um, and we end up producing and writing what's probably going to be my next EP. Oh, awesome! Know? Yeah, yeah. This uh, this fall, um, but this was like creatively reinvigorating for the both of us. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and it gave me a plan, you know, for 2021. It gave me that sort of vision again that I mm-hmm. was like sort of letting go for a while. Um, and, and that's kind of where we are right now. You know, that's amazing. This, yeah. So this was February. Um, I'm in the middle of mixing the first, first single of this project. Okay. Um, and I'm also resuming the guitarist thing you know, mm-hmm. that I haven't been able to do for, for a year. Right. I'm starting to, you know, I'm, I'm mm-hmm. seeing the light. <laughs> uh, and, and grasping grasping at it yeah sure um, so that that's that's where i am presently that's um, amazing yeah. so th- this this uh this new ep is going to be under hamish as well yeah under hamish oh. or hamish um, sorry yeah hamish hamish it, it's it's like a scottish scottish name in origin uh okay and it's my second i have two middle names my that's awesome two, that's the second <laughs> one yeah Right on. So Hamish, and uh, and are you planning? Obviously, when the when the light finally gets here, you're gonna tour, or you, you oh, said that's man. kind of what your your passion is, or where it lies. I would love to. Um, I would love to play shows with Hamish. I would love to tour as Hamish, but I would also love to tour as just Matt Benthal, guitar player. Okay. As well. Um, cool. I really want to balance the two. I really want to be both of those things. Okay. Um. If I could tour as Hamish and it was like an opening bill for someone way more established, I would love to do that. Okay. You know, I would do that in a heartbeat. Um, but really, you know, in addition, uh, my initial goal, you know, growing up was I want to play guitar for as many people as possible. You know, I'm mm-hmm. still also on that pursuit. So there's these like two tracks that I'm, you know, for a while was not pursuing through COVID, but now I'm able to sort of commit to both which mm-hmm. which is which is really great 
Really I love good. it. Yeah. That's amazing. Well, thank you so much, Matt, for, for hanging out with me. I appreciate it. Oh, thanks for having me, man. This was yeah. an absolute I, pleasure. I, I don't get to speak long verse about where I'm from and very <laughs> often, and I usually well, don't shy away from it. But No, it's man, I, it's, you have a fascinating story. I love it. Um, and I can't wait to hear the, the Joshua Tree record that you guys put together. Um, I do have one more question before I let you go. I want to know, aside from never play a guitar loop, at an audition, do you have any other advice for aspiring artists? Yeah, be yourself and um, keep your ears open. Don't ever stop listening. Um, you know, keep that channel open because you're always going to be humbled. You're always going to learn something by doing that. Uh, and don't get tunnel vision with your ears. That makes sense. You know, sure. Keep that channel open. Always.